Please remain standing and pray with me. Holy Spirit, now, Lord, on this evening of mysteries, this, this Monday, Thursday, the service of mysteries, Lord, would you please empower us to, to begin to peel back just a little the layers of the great truth that you have revealed to us in the scriptures tonight and in the actions that we will partake of this evening. Lord, would you please, by the power of your spirit, enable us to begin to enter into the narrative, the story of how you demonstrated your amazing love for us. Lord, please be with me, the preacher of your word this evening, that I might be able to speak the truth of God's word in a plain way that will, will touch our hearts and draw us into this narrative. And Lord, please grant us all listening and attentive ears and hearts so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts may be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Well, this is a, a strange Monday, Thursday evening. By the way, that word Monday is not a word we've used at all this year except right this minute. It's actually the corruption of a Latin word, mandatum. Uh, in the Latin translation of the text, it's mandatum novum, a new commandment I give to you. So that's where that word Monday comes from, comes from. But this is a strange Monday, Thursday. Uh, there's so much for us in, in this bittersweet evening. There's so much for us to mourn right now about the current pandemic that we're all experiencing. All, obviously, above all, the, the terrible loss of life due to this virus. But this is a particular, it is particularly a painful evening for us Christians because we're grieving the loss of Holy Week. Uh, we're, it's something that we look forward to if you are like uh, those of us at Christ Church. We, we long for this week. We look forward to this week because we actually get saturated in God's Word by acting it out again, by living it out again. And we enter into that story of Jesus' suffering and death and then we celebrate His resurrection at the great vigil of Easter. And so... We're missing that, and it's very poignant. Uh, I am personally grieving the loss of us gathering tonight for the celebration of Holy Thursday. And if you've ever been to one of these Holy Thursday uh, services, you know that there is such an intense sense of community and of family within the gathered body of Christ. This is a, a particularly blessed service every year. And one of the reasons for that sense of intimacy and closeness in this service is that, uh, that it's because Christ Church is a foot-washing church. That's right, not a foot-washing church, a foot-washing church. You know, we don't just do it usually, we don't just do it symbolically, uh, not, at least not until this year. You know, we wash children's feet and strong and active young people's feet, and yes, even old people's feet like mine, and you know what I mean. Uh, we, we wash feet here. Uh, now, foot washing has never been something that people looked forward to doing. Uh, that's not like things that, wow, I just can't wait to do that for another person. Usually, there are only two kinds of people who actually wash other people's feet. First of all, there's the people that are hired to do it. Uh, that's exactly what Peter is objecting to 
It's a menial task. It's a task that a servant would do. Certainly, my Lord Jesus, my rabbi, you would not do this for me. And so that's why he's objecting to it. Why would you put yourself in the place of a servant? The other kind of people who wash feet are intimate family. Intimate family wash feet of family members. And yes, um, the exception to not looking forward to washing feet is baby feet. Baby feet are just awesome. They really are. Uh, it's like, you know, ba baby humans have a good smell. Baby puppies have a good smell. I don't know anything about cats, but I know puppies do. And, and baby human feet are just awesome. They're, they're cute. They're wonderful. And washing them comes with giggles and splashes and even kisses right there on the bottom of that baby's foot. And that might even be the very first smile that a child offers its parents is when it's being washed and its, and its little baby feet are being washed. And we do that with love and with delight. But then there's another kind of sweet washing of the feet, another kind of sweet washing of the feet. I think about that aged and infirm grandparent or parent, feet that are gnarled or even twisted by years and decades of life, and that grandmama can't wash her own feet anymore, and so maybe a child, an adult child, or an adult grandchild even, will reverently take grandma's foot in her hands and wash that foot in love. Family members do that. I think about, um, you know, we've seen these heart-wrenching photos and, and videos of of spouses separated because one spouse is in a nursing home or in a retirement home uh, and extended care facility during the pandemic and so they're locked in and cannot be with that other spouse who's standing outside the window maybe with a sign telling them how much they love them but I know that that one of the privileges of of that old age when you're caring for a beloved spouse and you are the one with mobility is to still be able to bend down and wash that that wife's feet or that husband's feet you know grandma did foot washing for us when we were that baby uh, mama did that for us when we were that baby and now we can return that to them and whether it's baby feet or grandma's feet, to wash someone in this way is an act of great love. It is love communicated through touch and through service. So when Jesus knew that the hour of his death had come, this is what the Bible says in John chapter 13, verse 1, having loved his own who were in the world, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. That's when Jesus gets up from the supper in John 13, verse 4. He takes off his outer garments. He girds himself with a towel. And taking a basin, he begins to wash his feet because having loved, because having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. You know, when we read this story in John chapter 13, we almost immediately tend to go into a moralizing 
posture. I mean, after all, the word ought, O-U-G-H-T, is in this text. And given the fact that we tend to be, uh, tend towards moralism and not towards gospel, we immediately latch on to that when we hear Jesus say in John 13, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. So we read that, and this is the way when we're not, <laughs> when we're not thinking gospel, this is the way we immediately begin to perceive that. Jesus is saying that it's our duty, it's our obligation, it's our Christian duty to serve others. And brothers and sisters, if duty and obligation are where you are with this passage tonight, I want to just respectfully say you've missed the point. You missed the point of this passage. Because the point here is so clear. And it says it. Jesus loved his disciples. And he loved them to the end. Jesus washed their feet not in order to place an obligation on his disciples or on us, but to show them how much he loved them. He loved them the way new parents love that baby and delight in that baby as they wash his feet. He loved them in the way that that adult child is honored to wash in great tenderness and love the feet of an aged and infirm mom or dad. So the emphasis here is on Love, the servant's heart, that servant act, is the fruit. It's the outgrowth of that love. It is the free and joyful and delightful expression of that love. <clears throat> servanthood, listen, servanthood that does not flow from the delight of love, servanthood that does not flow from the delight of love is bondage. It's servitude, not servanthood. And if we didn't get that point, that this is all about love, Jesus spells it out clearly in this same chapter, at this same meal, where he took up the basin and the towel, and he says in verse 34, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That is the point of this text. The one who made the human foot now stoops in tender love to wash it. Look, your creator is on his knees bathing your feet. He says, I love you like this. Now love one another like this. This love does not come from obligation to meet a moral code based on trying really hard to imitate Jesus. Try really, really hard to imitate Jesus. No, instead it is the direct result this love is the direct result of being born again by the Holy Spirit so that we are supernaturally made conduits of God's love. 
Now, I want us to look real quickly at two verses from the, from the little uh, book of 1 John. 1 John. There is a direct connection between what we just read tonight in John chapter 13 and 1 John. There is only one place in all the Gospels where Jesus uses this phrase, little children, to address his disciples. There's only one other place in all of the New Testament where that phrase, little children, is used to speak about Christians, and it is in 1 John. So that 1 John is almost the, it is almost the commentary on the passage that we just heard tonight. And so in 1 John, the first letter of John, this, this idea that the love of God that is expressed in Jesus Christ in this foot-washing moment is an outflow of the new birth. It's expressed explicitly, 1 John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another... Let us love one another. What does that sound like? It sounds just like John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Love is from God. And whoever loves, here it is, has been born of God and knows God. It is the outflow of the new birth. Again, 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. 1 John 3, 14. We know that we have, passed, we have passed out of death into life. What is that? It's a new birth out of, out of dead and trespasses and sins and into new life. We have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. So here's the, here's the, the truth revealed in this scripture. We don't imitate Christ's love so much as we participate in Christ's love by being united in Him, united to Him. We don't imitate His love so much as we participate in His love by being united to Him. He is the vine. We are the branches. John chapter 15. We bear fruit. We bear the fruit of Christ's love by being in Him. If you abide in me, he says in that passage. By the way, that's where the new commandment is reiterated is John 15 a new commandment I give to you that you love one another he is the vine and we are the branches so if you think if you think that being a Christian please listen to this uh, you guys who are, who are watching it uh, our live stream or are viewing this at another time please listen to this if you think that being a Christian is imitating Jesus is imitating Jesus then you have not believed the gospel. If you think that, now yes, we're being made like Christ Jesus by God through His Holy Spirit, but if you think being a Christian is just really trying to imitate Jesus, you have not believed the gospel. You see, the gospel is, by grace we are united to Christ, by grace through faith we're united to Christ, and then... And through the transforming power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus lives the vine, lives the vine's life through the branches producing fruit. It is as natural as a tomato vine producing tomatoes, Jesus says. This is John 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. 
whoever abides in me and I, am him, and I in him, he it is that bears much, much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't imitate me. Nothing, imitating Jesus is included in the part where it says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And then in verse 8, Jesus says, this is eight, uh, John 15, verse 8, this is my, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So the great irony on this Monday, Thursday in the year 2020 is that we are showing our love for one another. We are enacting the great commandment ironically by sacrificing being together on the day of the new commandment, by social distancing so that we will save the lives of others. I can't believe we, we find ourselves in this place. And if you are like me, though, you ache to gather with God's people again, to touch and to be touched in love by your brothers and sisters and Christ. As I was thinking about this passage in preparation for this evening, um, it occurred to me that the ordinary means of grace, the ordinary means of grace by which you and I, the ordinary way, okay, the ordinary means of grace by which you and I personally feel and experience God's love is through the love shown to us through other believers. The way that you and I ordinarily feel and experience God's love is through the love shown to us through other believers. We need, we have been given as church the ordinary means of grace, please listen, because we are not all mystics and contemplatives. We are not all mystics and contemplatives. I am not a mystic or a contemplative. I just can't do it. I wish I could. I have to be digging in the dirt. I have to be walking on a trail. I have to be eating bread and wine. Because I'm ordinary. And I need ordinary means of grace. Most of us can't directly experience the power and love of God by just being alone in His presence. And if you can, thanks be to God, God, thank you that you gave that gift to somebody. But many of us, most of us, need things like plain old bread and wine that we can taste and touch and see just like we heard in 1 Corinthians tonight. To know that's how much God loves me. This is my body which is given for you. Look, children, little children, look. See this? This is my body which is given for you. See this cup? This is my blood which is shed for you. Do you understand? See these ordinary things? That's how much I love you. Most of us need someone who will kneel down and take a basin and towel and wash our feet so that we can be reminded 
That's how much my Maker loves me. He stoops low to wash my feet. And on tomorrow, on Good Friday, He will go even lower. He won't just lay aside His outer garments. He will be stripped and scourged and nailed to a cross for me. That's how much my Maker loves me. Jesus, knowing that the hour had come, that He had come from God and was returning to God, He loved His disciples, and He loved them to the end. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.